Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the king of horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this impromptu episode of Talking Terror, where the demonic dean and the ghoul geek Keith have decided to go on vacation, leaving the studio keys to myself and the Mad Monkey. So what are we going to do? What are we going to talk about? You know, I guess I'll just have to pick one out of the vault and close out the Evil Dead trilogy with 1992's Army of Darkness. Directed by Sam Raimi. So we're going to be talking about that a little later on the show. He's already excited, folks. So you know it's going to be a good one with the Mad Monkey and myself at the helm at the control panels. But without further ado, of course, the psychotic simian, the Mad Monkey, the Prince of Morse, yes, get fucking with the Dead Ice Monkey. Oh, yeah, yes, King. We get more funky than the panties of a nasty-ass pit witch. But like you said, this is a special episode of Talking Terror because it's the King and I. That's right. There's going to be singing. There's going to be dancing. The King is going to be Yul Brynner, and I'm going to be Deborah Carr. It's going to be a fantastic show, I tell you. This is going to be the episode you're not wanting to go to miss. So make sure you tune in live. And if you can't, that's all right, baby, because we can catch you on the flip side on iTunes, Spotify, or Blog Talk Radio. And be sure to stalk our sexy selves on Facebook and Instagram. Ram up, baby. What's up, King? <laughs> What's up, monkey? Just happy to be here with you, talking about Army of Darkness later on the show. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Oh, yeah. We're on yeah. Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> so yeah, we're on all the socials. Not so much on Twitter, but on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you know, and I love the Instagram page because the ghoul and the dean don't have to post anything and just get followers. <laughs> Good on them for, for just it. having a page that exists where they don't even have, like, I think the last post that they made was for Stree last week, and they're still getting followers. So Instagram, one hell of a site. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm toiling away in the fucking minds of Facebook. Normally, i got to post articles today. <laughs> you know? And I do it, and I love it. And I, I love our Facebook fans. <laughs> But seriously, for those of you following us on Facebook, yeah, or anyone else, if you sit for your horror news needs, definitely go to the Talking Terror Facebook page where the king of horror keeps that thing motherfucking uploaded all the time, keeps it new, keeps it hot, keeps it fresh. You go there, you won't need to go anywhere else for your horror news needs because he's got you covered, baby. Oh, hello. Always, always, always. <laughs> Monday through Friday, you can catch me there. I'm always posting something for your delights, whether it's toys, whether it's movies, whether it's TV shows, comics. You know, I'm always on there. So shoot me a message if you want to see more, and, and we'll get to it. But as of right now, I'm just having fun. Um, I do have horror news covered for tonight. We might just do a little bit. We might do all of it. Who knows? It's an impromptu episode, so we can have a little bit of fun. But first of all, Monkey, my NECA hunter in the wild, this guy will go to any store and look at NECA figures and go, oh, King doesn't have that one. Maybe I should go look at it. <laughs> you know, and then he gives me a call. And do you have this one? No. Do you want it? Yes. Cash in hand when I see you, baby. You know, and that way we could have my NECA. So 
Thank you so much for the McCready station survival figure, which looks fucking so good. I posted pictures on Facebook as well as uh, on my personal page. Uh, but wow, I managed to get that Petri dish look. I was so happy that it worked out because that Petri dish is small. <laughs> I almost <laughs> lost it like 18 times. Yeah, dude, I, you, you fucking nailed, nailed the, the, the look on the box, which you can never fucking do. Uh, and, and, yeah, you know, the, this Kurt Russell figure, it looks hot. It looks good. Um, and, yeah, unfortunately, it got us talking, though, about what we don't have yet, which is a Kurt Russell Big Trouble in Little China figure. So, NECA, we're calling you <laughs> yeah. out. We want an ultimate <laughs> Kurt Russell Big Trouble in Little China figure. That's what we want, man. <laughs> just, just, Why is it not a thing give yet? Us a look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like if Reaction can do it, and they can sit there and do a whole lot of these things, you, NCA, you can give us one. We just want one. Just, just one Jack Burns. Just one. Thing. Yeah. That's all. We, that, yeah. That's all we want. <laughs> just one. Just, just one. Just to have one of the greatest uh, characters on screen, Jack Burton, being ultimate. I know that the thing McCready got two different versions. You have the, the Station Survival, then you just have the original one that comes with a J and B bottle and glass. I mean, okay, you have two versions of that character. You could definitely do one, Jack Burton. We only need one. Mm-hmm. We only need two. We're not selfish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll what a one. But we want <laughs> yeah. that Jack Burton but, <laughs> but it, it just looks so good. And then, of course, uh, Monkey brought the McCready figure over last Saturday when he joined me for WrestleMania Night 1. But I also shocked him because I found Friday the 13th Part 7, Jason Voorhees, the new blood at Walmart. And they fucked up the price, so I got it for half of what they were asking for originally because they don't need to tag some of their items. And I benefited, baby. I was so happy. They're for $15. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's your fault, guys. Yeah. I didn't price it. Yeah, and and it's just this was just so awesome because the king was also extra excited because this is his first Kane Hodder, <laughs> Jason Voorhees figure. So he was very very excited. The thing looks sweet. It looks tight. You know, and that was, and of course the box looks fucking killer as shit <laughs> to go along with all the other boxes he had. You know. Oh yeah, I save my boxes. I, and, I display them. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't waste time. And yeah, I just and, play then those and then again to call NECA out about you know the King's wish list. Now we just need a part eight. Jason takes Manhattan. That's oh what we my need. God! Yes. <laughs> yes. With the, the bright ass, Jason takes Manhattan. Bright ass yellow hockey mask that was in there because <laughs> it got all screwed up because of the t- all the funky ass waste that was in the sewers and stuff. You, you need to have three variants in my opinion. Uh, the, the one where it's the regular hockey mask and then it start, it's still whole but it starts to turn yellow and then you gotta have that you know chomped away, bit away ripped up bright ass yellow one that's at the very end of the movie. Oh, yeah, that you can clearly see in the Times Square sequences and towards the end. I mean, that movie always cracks me up, not just because it's Canada by way of New York, but also because at the beginning of the movie, the, two, the couple that's making out in the, the boat for their graduation, the boyfriend has a Jason Voorhees mask with the cut in the mask. So this guy took time to cut the axe hole in the mask that was made in Friday 13th Part 3. Just so he could freak out his girlfriend and be like, I'm Jason, ah, I was like, wow. 
this guy planned it out. Like, he didn't just put a hockey mask on and scare everyone. No, he actually took time to make the axe mark in the top of the mask. I was like, okay, this guy. <laughs> and I, I yeah. appreciate yeah. it. it so like, how would he even know? And, and then again... <laughs> And then again, you know, Jason, you know, take a boat. Nope, his ass fucking walking. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, that we, we've talked about this on the show before, but yeah, you're not going to take a steamer boat from Camp Crystal Lake in New Jersey to New York. Like, that wasn't even like a yacht. It was a steamer boat. Like, people should be working yeah, on a boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's all the school could afford was the shitty fucking steamer boat that they're like, oh, board. I'm like, no, you could drive and get to New York faster. Like, just drive there. <laughs> like, I guarantee there's half of the class that just drove there and it's like, where's everybody else? Crazy. Oh, no, they took that <laughs> stupid fucking boat. <laughs> I guess we're never going to see that again. Man. <laughs> yeah, it's right yeah, fucking somehow, there. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah but somehow on a lake, they managed to find their way to New York City. So, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> I mean, that whole movie is a mess, but it's one of those so bad it's good entries, where it's like, it's clearly not New York, it's Canada. But at least he was in Times Square to kick the radio of the punks and then lift up his mask to scare them away. They wouldn't be scared of that. They'd be like, well, that just looks like a crackhead that we saw the other day. <laughs> Hell yeah. Be like, oh, they're they're there trying surprised. to take his ass on. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised, you know, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that does surprise me about that movie is that there isn't more actual... New York in there, like actual New York, oh, New York, yeah. you know, that shit you, that you recognize instead of sets and it's supposed to be in New York. <laughs> well, I mean, and you've got to admit, because this was the final Paramount picture uh, for Friday the 13th. So you would think that they would dump a little bit of money, you know, into it and make it work. You know, they're like, this is it. We're kind of done with this character. So let's just have one final hurrah. But Rob Hedden, the director, was like, dude, let's take it to New York. Let's have fun. Like, let's have him on the Statue of Liberty. Let's have him attack Broadway. You know, let's have him do all this other stuff. And they're like, no, it's, like, expensive. <laughs> so let's just go to Canada <laughs> and film in some alleyways, but we'll say it's New York, and no one's going to know the difference. They're not going to notice. They're just going to be like, oh, it's cool. It's New York. That's what it looks like. So, I mean, in the script, he jumps off the top of the Statue of Liberty. Never made it into the movie because he was on top of the Statue of Liberty in the script and jumps off of it, you know, because he could teleport in this movie. So he could show up wherever he wants. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So he is Statue of Liberty, wow. Broadway. He went to a Broadway show, and he invaded a Broadway show and jumped on the stage and killed a bunch of people. Like, yeah. So, yeah, Rob had a lot so of good kidding. ideas, but <laughs> yeah, well, wouldn't it have been for him to show up like a, a, a show of cats? You know, he just shows up and just starts mowing people down. Oh, no dude. Especially when they cats. start going, memories, and he just hack, hack, flash, flash. Fuck this shit. These aren't real cats. <laughs> what the fuck is this? It's not, so, yeah. it's not better than cats. I'm, I'm not going to go see it again and again. <laughs> yeah, Jason's a late Miz fan. So he's not a cat fan. He's a Le Miz fan. The Le Miz That's what gets him a tear in the eye. So he'll be fine with that. Um, but yeah, no, the, the the Jason that I got from Part Seven looks awesome. Ton of accessories. 
they do also have an alternate mask that's cracked open, so you can display it with his cracked mask open and his face screaming, you know, at the screen, like we see Tina do to him in the movie. I don't think I'm going to display it like that because that mask is just too flimsy and doesn't look good. So, now the way I have it now, looks like the box art for the video game, Friday 13, where he's holding the axe over his head, just about to take down one of the characters. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's awesome. And I did get more um, discs for the characters to stand on, but I kind of fucked up, but it worked out in a way where they're black uh, discs, so they're not clear. And I think that makes them look so much more badass with the black discs that they stand on. I was like, you know what? I'm kind of glad I messed up because they look so much better on black than they do on the clear ones that I got a couple months ago. Well, especially because everything you have is horror, man. You know, it's, it's not like you're sitting there, you know, uh, b- buying up all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures that they have and shit. <laughs> no. No, I'm, I'm getting the horror ones. I'm getting the good ones. So, you know, you'll see when you come over on Friday, I put a couple of them on the black, and I think it looks so much better. But, uh, so, again, you know, I'm very happy with, with those uh, NECA purchases over the weekend. So, let's get into some horror. So what do you have something you want to talk about, Monkey? I don't want to take the spotlight away from you. It's our show tonight. We can do whatever no, we dude, want. No, it, dude, <laughs> it, it is cool, man. Uh, um, I would like you, if it's cool, to sit there and bring up the whole thing about Kilroy and the difficulties that's going to be go- going on again. Go to the Talking Terror Facebook page to actually get this actual article. But... Kevin Smith's okay. new, yeah. new pro- project, Kilroy, and it just if you could explain to me, because I'm having some trouble understanding the why it's going to be so difficult to get a hold of. Okay, so... Just because I don't, under, I, me, I don't understand the, the whole okay. NFT thing. So, let me skip ahead, because I did have that in my news to talk about, because it's just, it's, it's complicated, it's very weird, um, but they, they want to go forward with this an NFT. So, Back in 2021, Kevin Smith was going to release a horror anthology called, uh, called Kilroy Was Here. So it was going to have a proper release in theaters and eventually home media, but never happened. So Deadline reported today that this is going to be the first film in history to be released as an NFT. The movie itself, along with exclusive content from the film, behind-the-scenes footage, and it com- uh, the commentary tracks by Smith himself, is going to be launched as a 5,555-piece generative art NFT collection on Secret Network's primary NFT minting platform. So Legend Dow, which is another company that's collaborating, and also Simcor and Curio, another company that's going to be mining this, uh, which they are considered the premier NFT platform for entertainment brands. They're going to be producing the Kill Rose here collection. So Smith went on note to say that he's working on this as a brand new chapter of the anthology saga. And if you buy any of these pieces of NFT, these purchases give you the right to make your own Kilroy story. So NFTs are weird because they're these mining things that you can buy, but it's really just kind of like animated GIFs, you know, and and things like that that you can collect and, and cute little pictures. You know, they're just expensive little pieces of media. But with Kilroy Was Here, they are hoping that people will buy these little pieces of art from Kilroy Was Here, you know, stickers and art and stuff like that, that's media. And then you could just make your own Kilroy stories by buying these 5,000, whatever, 555 pieces. Um, it's, just, it's a complicated thing because it's, you're buying pieces of the movie. 
and then essentially just kind of making it your own. So you can just kind of do what you want with it. Because technically, if you buy these, you own part of the movie. Like technically, you're an owner of this work that Kevin Smith did. It's just, it's so okay. just stupid. I, I don't like it at all. It's, it's so dumb. But, okay, okay. So, all right. So you can sit there and buy the NFT. So it's a digital property, you know, digital property or piece of something. But are you going to actually, like, is the actual... But is the actual movie going to be released? That's that's the thing I'm trying to figure out. No. No, it's not. It's going to be released as NFTs, which is kind of like, like I said, like Fox. Or it's going to be like different little bits that you can buy of the movie. But, you know, I, I would guess at some point you're going to be able to build the whole movie by buying these 5,555 pieces, which is a fucking lot. Um, but what? it's not going to be like... Uh, it's not going to be like, you know, okay, well, I want to watch Killroy with here. I'm going to go on the NFT's website and just buy the movie. You can't do that because apparently this movie is in pieces. So if this you have fucking money stupid. just to throw away, <laughs> right? it's like pop. It's like, well, look at this. I got a piece of Killroy with here. Cool. Now I can make my own Killroy with here movie because I have a piece of it. It's, it's essentially what it is. It's, you know, I, I don't understand it totally, so I admit that. I, I don't, I'm not into NFTs. I think they're just a waste of time. Like, I think it's just like if you have just money to waste, then go for it. But I don't see the value of them. But people are doing it. People are buying albums and pieces of art all because it's an NFT. But it's, just, it's a waste of money. Like it's just, just release it on, like, home video at this point. But no. So, yeah, Killero is here. You could find it, but it's going to be NFT. And there's thousands of pieces to it. So whether it be stickers or scenes from the movie or kind of like pieces together, it's kind of like a puzzle. I'm not interested. So I will not be indulging uh, myself with Kill Rose here because it's, it's complicated and doesn't make any sense. Yeah, dude, just give us a fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I don't understand. Like, I, I don't get it why you can't just release it on DVD or release it on Hulu or Netflix or one of the other sites. I don't understand the point of releasing it as an NFT, which is aggravating and just complicated. Uh, I don't know if he sought out places to sell it to or somebody just got in his ears like, dude, NFTs are the next big thing. You got to put Kilroy is here on an NFT. And he's probably like, cool, all right. No, it's not cool. (laughs) Because you're looking for people that have expendable funds. Like, I don't have that kind of yeah. money to spend on that. I would just rather buy the DVD when it comes out. But no. So, yeah, it's, it's a complicated process. Like you said, Monty, the article was up on the Talking Dare website. You could delve further into that. Um, but that's just the general thing that I got from it. It's just it's going to be bit pieces. Man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, you know what? I, there's people out there that buy NFTs. I've heard of them. You know, I, I don't know anybody personally, but I've seen it online, people buying these NFTs, and, you know, it's just not for me. <laughs> I just, so I, I'm going to spend all this money to have a gif on my phone of a taco wearing a hat and on a skateboard. Well, shit, man. We ought to sit there and make our own fucking pair of NFTs then, man. And get some funding for this damn show. <laughs> yeah, we would be the least funded NFT. I mean, nobody buying NFTs from us. I mean, we don't know what this is. I mean, we don't know either. 
Let's figure it out together. <laughs> it's going to be a journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, NFTs are right up there with, like, Bitcoin and stuff like that, you know, cryptocurrency, you know. it's I don't know. People are into it. I'm not. I don't get it. So I stay away from it. Like, they have all these commercials now with Larry David. It's like, oh, yeah, you got to get into cryptocurrency. No, I don't. No. I I don't feel like (laughs) my money into something that's going to make me fucking lose all my money and be, you know, broke. I'd rather just keep my actual currency that I have. (laughs) I I will admit, I I do play with uh, the the Diva, and I do play a little bit with the douchebag coin or whatever they call it, the dose or whatever. You know, we we, we play with that on the side just for fun, you know. But it's literally just a thing of, you know, hey, here's five bucks, go buy some, and then go see what you can do, Diva. Go have fun. <laughs> and then her, <laughs> yeah, like a little I've kid, she's like, yeah. ooh, I can, I, can, I can buy like 500 nurse coins. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's not actual currency. Like, I don't know what you're doing. Like, yes, yeah. I've heard of Dogecoin. <laughs> now, now I'm all right. I like uh, green pieces of paper with dead presidents on it that I could exchange for goods yeah. and services. That's what I like. Or lap dances. <laughs> or lap dances or, or hookers or cocaine. You know, whatever I decide to spend my money on. But at least it's going to a yeah. good place. Like, it's not disappearing yeah. into the Internet where I'm like, where'd my money go? Well, I don't know. <laughs> but it was here. <laughs> nope, that's the cryptocurrency market. Like, oh, I don't like this at all. Oh, I know. Oh, wow, I'd like to get some. <laughs> I know. It's terrible. So, yeah, that is uh, Kilroy was here. Like I said, the article's up on the Facebook page. You can check that out. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is that next Tuesday, April 12th, the Pitt Archives of the University of Pittsburgh will be hosting the first ever public screening of the lost George A. Romero film from 1994, Jack Around the Joe, that I talked about. Not that long oh, ago on the show. It. They did, and they put it together. It's an hour and a half movie. So they're going to be having a public free screening on April 12th from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with a Q&A with the Valencia Community College in Florida students that helped make the film with Romero. So it's completely free. You don't got to pay anything. You just have to go to library.pit.edu to get your tickets. That's Pit with two T's. I already got my spot. So I am looking forward to checking out this lost sound footage movie that George Romero shot in 1994 called Jack Around the Joe. Which is kind of like the Swamp Monster in Florida. Dude, that's awesome that they were actually because I remember you talking about this and they were working on it. They were trying to find pieces and restore it, and it's cool that they were actually able to get, finally find enough material to build it together and to actually put a finished project out there and you know finish up one of Romero's visions. That's really fucking cool. It's so cool, and it's so cool that it's fucking free, everybody. You don't got to pay nothing to go see Jack Around the Joe. All you have to do is log on to register. It takes two seconds. So if any of you guys are George Romero fans out there and you want to see the stuff that he was working on that never got made in the theaters, this is your chance. All you got to do is register. It takes two seconds. I can't wait. Like, I am ready for April 12th and see Jack Around the Joe and see what he made that was thought to be lost to time. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's just really fucking cool and and again the, the fact that the university is still going around trying to preserve you know restore and preserve the works of george a romero is just you know again really fucking awesome 
It's so cool. I'm hoping one of these days I can make it out to the University of Pittsburgh and see the George A. Romero collection, all the scripts, all the stuff that they've curated that you can actually go see. You just have to schedule a time. So I'm hoping one of these days I can actually go do that and sit down with all the scripts and all the things that they have and just look at oh, what really? George is working on in between movies. Oh, oh mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know like it was a section that was open to the public. Yeah. Yeah, they, they intended to open it up to the public so that you could go in and see these projects and weep through them and then check them out and see what he was working on when he wasn't doing one of his, his uh, studio projects. He's got tons of them. Oh, plenty to check out. <laughs> that is really, really cool. Dude, you should totally take a trip. Do that and then and then sh- uh, shoot, shoot across the lakes and go to Canada. Yeah, that's it. And go visit where, where he is laid to rest in Canada. You know, but make a quick pit stop at the uh, Evan City Cemetery. And, of course, Monroeville. Got to stop at the mall. Pick up some things. See that bus. <laughs> the food court. You know, pay my respects to, to George. And, and <laughs> um, so moving on from George Romero, uh, we had talked about this briefly months ago, about the possible – Crow reimagining the Brendan Lee movie from the early 90s, how Jason Momoa was originally signed on to play Eric Draven. Uh. Never got off the ground, (laughs) never got made. People are like, you know what, that's fine because we don't really need to see it. But you know what, it's happening again. So we are going to be getting a modern reimagining of The Crow. Uh, So they are moving forward with it with filming to start in June with Bill Skarsgård, who you might know as Pennywise the Clown from the It remake that came out just a couple of years ago. He's going to be playing Eric Draven. And also we have uh, FKA Twigs, who is a Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter, who's also going to be starring as his fiance with Rupert Sanders uh, directing. He did Ghost in the Shell and also Snow White and the Huntsman. So you are going oh, to be getting that... the crow reimagining, folks. All the got across oh, man, the land that... this week. Man, those, those credentials for director are not that great. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Wait, so you're like, yeah, yeah. credentials. You're actually claiming – you're actually going to claim that you did Snow White and the Huntsman? Because I've fucking seen that one. It's – oh, my God. It's horrible. Oh, man. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, okay, but, yeah, if, if they're going old school and going back to 100%, you know, just reboot. Uh, I could definitely see this, like, you know, working in the right way, because Jason Moe is definitely not the right approach for the crow in any way, shape, or form. Hell no. Um, yeah, just too fucking big, you know, and not articulate enough, and (laughs) because Eric Draven is quite the articulate one. You know, he's a poet. (laughs) He can't be all, (laughs) um... But so so they're just going straight up reboot to the to the original story. Is that is that the plan? Yeah, you know, they, yeah, they're going with that word modern reimagining. So they're not calling it okay. a reboot; they're calling uh, it a modern reimagining. But you know what, Monkey? I don't care. Like this is like I'm not a huge fan of the Crow. I'm not. I never was. Like you know, it's like oh, Brandon Lee, it's okay. It's just so fucking depressing. <laughs> Like I was like, I get why goth girls like this because it's all black and Eric Draven, Brandon Lee's like, oh, I can't rain all the time. Like, I, I, 
I don't like it. I was okay. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Okay. But did you ever read the graphic novel that it was based – or did you read the comic book series that it was based on? Yeah, the what, the Tim O'Farr? Uh, was it Jamie O'Farr? That wrote the, uh, James O'Farr. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because the, the actual that. story is better than the movie. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, I totally agree there, man. And the original story that it's based on, yo, it's heartfelt. You know, there's mm-hmm. an actual love story going on there, and then it turns into a badass motherfucking revenge story that, in my opinion, they just couldn't capture in the film just because of how far it went and the graphic nature of the original graphic novel <laughs> and, you know, him going in, you know, doing bodily damage to himself and all that kind of stuff again because, you know, we got to keep yeah, it PG-13 because yeah. we need butts in the seats. If they actually go back to the source material and, you know, stick closer to it, and while I will admit I fucking love the, the original film, um, stay away from the cheesy, cheesy 90s sets that are obviously 90s sets <laughs> because when you go back <laughs> because it's like god damn you know it's, it looks like did they film Double Dragon on the same fucking set <laughs> and Super Mario Brothers <laughs> it just had that 90s set look to it man and it, it, yeah, like, it just yeah. took so much away from me uh, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I, I, I could definitely see myself get, getting excited about this if they're willing to go back and revisit the, the original graphic novel and do it right and don't try mm-hmm. and make it PG-13 or give it a hard, hard, like, you know, really pu- pushing it with the PG-13 you know, on the edge of R. You know, but you have to do that with the crow. And this time, let's yeah. give it a real soundtrack. Let's not give it a 90s grind soundtrack, okay? <laughs> yeah, 90s nails, you can stay away this time. <laughs> yeah, James Obar, when you read the original graphic novel, he gave you a very specific soundtrack to use, and you only used it here. You ignored all <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. When you read, yeah, when you read the graphic novels, the, 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 there's pages where it's lyrics. And you know, and stuff like that. That that mm-hmm. is the kind of music that he wants you to listen to while you're reading this graphic novel. And so it's a lot of curious, yeah. You know, that 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 kind of mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, it, it's yeah. You're so, completely on the mark with with the graphic novel, you know, and what he, what he did. Uh, but just like the crow, like I, I saw it years ago on on uh, VHS. I just couldn't understand why people liked it. I was like, you know, again, Brandon Lee, tragic what happened to him on set, no doubt. But at the same time, you watch the movie as a whole, and he's just fucking depressing the entire time. Like, no, I'm like, no, he's going to get his ass kicked by fucking everybody. <laughs> he weighs like 90 pounds. He has, he, he, he's not going to be able to fight these guys. But yet, all of a sudden, he becomes the fucking Punisher, and he's able to just defeat all these gang members, like, with no problem. Because he's back from the dead and, and ready for revenge. And it's fine. Ernie Hudson was good. You know, by Wing, uh, all right, I could do without her. But no, I, so yeah. I think that the sequel was better. I like Crow, City of Angels, much better than the original Crow. Because the Crow, City of Angels was fun. Like, they were having fun with what they were doing. Iggy Pops in there, Thomas Jane's in there. 
Um, it's just I had so much more fun with that sequel than I did with, with the original Crow. I was like, I, so if they want to remake it, fine. You know, use that soundtrack like James O'Barr had. And you might have something. Make it violent. Like you said, inflicting damage on himself. Like, that's great. I mean, the only thing in yeah. the original Crow is he gets shot in the hand. He's like, ooh, look at me. I can regenerate skin like yeah. Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. So I know you love the crow. I mean, I'm not um, trying to bash, you know, you for like the crow, but yeah, me, I, I could do without it. <laughs> I, I I like it, but it's like one of those things. It's like Starship Troopers, where it's like I love the book and I love the movie, but I can, but I also consider them two completely different entities. You know, I don't think one is really that well interwoven into the other. And it's okay to like them both separately, but don't sit there and mm-hmm. be like, if you like one, you have to like the other. And But if you're going to sit there and do a reimagining, read your source material and do your work, do your homework, and do it right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I mean, I like Bill Skarsgård. Like, I, you know, ever since I saw him as Pennywise, I'm like, okay, Tim Curry, that's not Pennywise, but at the same time, did a great job. You know, as that character in it, uh, chapter one and two, you know, I enjoyed it, you know, what he could do with his face. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table with Eric Draven. You know, hopefully they could bring the hard R of the crow, which needs to be seen. Like, no PG-13. Let's make it hard R. Let's get it violent. Let's get it dark, brooding, like what we need to see. So we'll see. Like I said, the shooting begins in June, uh, so I'm sure it's going to be a 2023 release. Um, okay, so... Mike, you know me. I like collecting my home videos. You know, I like my collection of DVDs and Blu-rays. But I'm also a huge fan oh, yeah. of shot-on horror movies from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. So a you week shot ago, on video? <clears throat> yeah, shot-on video, SOV. Um, so, yeah, like a oh, camcorder, okay. you're making a movie like uh, Sledgehammer, uh, Blood Lake, Boarding House, um, so many titles that I can just rattle off that are SOV horror. So while they're releasing... Uh, which is a home video label, decided that they're going to branch out with a sister label called Visual Vengeance. It's going to be a collector's Blu-ray label dedicated to vintage and sometimes overlooked micro-budget genre independence from the 1980s through the 2000s. So the upcoming slate of releases will span underground genre history, including action, horror, and sci-fi titles, and will feature SOV, Super 8, 16mm, and 35mm lens movies. Those primary focus will be shot on video movies of the beloved VHS and early DVD era right in the heart because I love those movies because back then, if you had a camcorder, you could make a movie. And they released them, whether they were good, whether they were bad, they got released on the different titles. So first up for pre-orders in July are 1997's The Necrophiles, which is an American video nasty. I mean, this fucking movie is just bizarre and weird and shot on home video. You need to see it to believe it. I saw it years ago, and I was like, I can't believe these people made this movie because it's just so wild. Um, so they're going to be releasing that on Blu-ray with a ton of stickers, including a home video card that comes with it, a laminated video card so you can add to your collection <laughs> if you're those type of people. And you know I am, so I'd love to have that. But also, the one that I'm most excited about, 1997's Bloody Muscle Builder in Hell, which is also known as Japanese Evil Dead. I mean, this movie is fucking wild. It's a huge bodybuilder in Japan going into a haunted house and battling ghosts, demons, and zombies. Um, It just, it was a movie that it was hard to access back in the day. Like, you need to know people. 
So I saw it on bootleg back in the early 2000s on VHS. And this is the first time it's getting a, an official North American Blu-ray release with, again, stickers and different things like that. But it's also coming with a stress ball that's in the shape of a barbell. So if you're interested in this type of stuff, like I am, you're going to want to get the collector's edition of Japanese Bodybuilder in Hell, which is just an amazing, fucked-up movie that they also call Japanese Evil Dead so that people would go see it because they think it's attached to Evil Dead, and it's not. And anyway, <laughs> that's what they called it just no, to get people to watch it. <laughs> And that's awesome, though, that you're saying that they're also tapping into the SOV films of the science fiction as well in the night from the 80s to the 2K as well. Because I can't tell yeah. you like how many bad science fiction movies I've like watched over the years that I've tried to cover for Science Fiction Sunday on Talking Chair, but it's just so mm-hmm. hard to find a copy of stuff and bring it out there. And it's like yeah. I've seen so many bad, like you, I've seen so many just bad science fiction movies versus your bad <laughs> horror movies, and it's cool that. They're going into that vein as well and looking for those movies that were those really, really good, but because they were really, really bad VHS rentals that no one else fucking knew about except you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what, what's great about uh, Visual Vengeance is that they're releasing both of them on Blu-ray, both Necrophiles and Japanese Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell, for $20 a piece. So you can get them 20 bucks a piece. It's not that Shit. But if you want to get the deluxe package, which is the one that I'm probably going to end up ordering, for $40, you get both movies plus that stress barbell in the collection, plus all the stickers, plus the video card. So for $40, you can get both movies and also the, the stress barbell and the stickers and the video cards. And I was like, holy shit, okay. <laughs> I've seen Arrow release movies at $60 a pop. Just yeah, I was gonna say, man, I've, 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 I've bought you error releases that were sixty dollars a pop, and I was like, what the fuck is sixty bucks? And I was like, oh, well, it's King's <laughs> birthday, <laughs> you know. And I was like, holy yeah. shit, but, you know, yeah. the, the the ball, the balls on Arrow to sit there and charge as much as they do for DVD releases. It's like, yeah, I understand. You know, it takes money to get the rights, and then you got to sit there and actually right. go and you know go through the process of cleaning it up and actually releasing it. But still. 60 bucks a pop. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's the balls to, you know, to the release. I mean, I've bought Arrow releases in the past, you know, that have been like that, where it's like 40 or $50, but it's because it's a movie that I really want to have, you know, in my collection. But there's other releases where I'm like, nah, nah, I'm good. Like, I had the DVD of that. <laughs> I don't need the special edition, you know, on, on Blu-ray. I'll be happy with my DVD of that movie. Um, I mean, I just went to the Dollar Tree the other day, and I managed to get uh, Vampire's Kiss, Satanic Panic, and One Shot of the Dead for $1.25 a piece. What? So three fucking movies, you know, and the uh, One Cut of the Dead is Blu-ray, uh, Satanic Panic is Blu-ray, and v- uh, Vampire's Kiss is the DVD. I got them all for $1.25 a piece. I was like, this is great. Damn. I was like, thank you. <laughs> I was like, this is wonderful. Nice find. But I do have to appreciate the, the home video release of Satanic Panic because on the cover it's just called Panic. I guess because they were too afraid to put Satanic Panic on the cover, so it's just labeled as Panic. And I was like, that's just fucking great. <laughs> like, that alone <laughs> is great. The disc itself is Satanic Panic on it, but when you look at the actual package, it's just, yeah, no, Panic. <laughs> I was like, somebody got scared. 
Oh, but that means when you file it, file it under P, or are you, you know because you, or because of your OCD, you're gonna file it under S, and then it's gonna throw oh, you off because your OCD is gonna kick in. But then your OCD is gonna yeah. kick in, going okay. But it says P, but it's over here in the S's. It's it's gonna mess with you, man. I know it. It's gonna screw you up, man. <laughs> it's it's just gonna it's gonna just cause a panic all in and of itself. I mean, the uh, the disc I got the other day uh, that you know about. Um, I was like, shit, now I've got to rearrange my whole fucking collection just to fit this one in. I was like, it's going under the D. I was like, but now I have to fucking take all of them out, and I have to re-fucking file all these. I was like, it's, it's never done. It's never <laughs> done because I'm always finding these things. And then I found uh, the three that a dollar trade. I'm like, now I really have to fucking go through my collection and rearrange everything <laughs> just so it's perfect. I was like, I, I, it's got to be alphabetical. I have a problem. It's not alphabetical. I'm like, nope. <laughs> This is what happens when you're a collector, folks. <laughs> yeah, you can't just look at your files on a computer. It's like, you know, because the king loves his hard copies. <laughs> and he's like, oh, nope, well, I have to have them. <laughs> I just love having my own little mini fucking horror collection, but it's also like a video store where you or, or Marie, when she comes over, can look through my collection like, oh, what's this all about? And you can pull it out and you can look at the synopsis on the back. You know, put it back on the shelf and look at another one. I like have my own little video store for people to look at my collection. Like, oh, what's this? You know, I just, I get so much joy out of that when people come over and look at my collection. I'm like, oh, look at this movie. I've never heard of this one before. I'm like, oh, we put it on. Just walk it right over to the DVD yeah. player. <laughs> yeah, I like the cool. <laughs> the king is willing to do some walking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The three steps it takes to get to my, uh, my Blu-ray player, I'm happy to do it because it's going to expose somebody to a new thing that they never saw before. And that's the whole point is having all these movies, not just because I love them, but also because if somebody comes over and is like, I've never heard of this one, let's watch it. Now sit down, grab the popcorn, you know, grab a soda, let's watch this movie. You might not like it, but at the end of the day, you saw it. You could say that you watched it. You know, like I, I said on the show, I exposed Marie to Friday the 13th Part 6. Jason lives, and she fucking loved it. And she is not a big horror fan. But she loved oh, she the comedy did? of it, and just, she loved the slapstick comedy. She loved that it wasn't taking itself too seriously, that it wasn't too gory. I was like, see, horror movies can be fun. They're not all gore mm-hmm. and just blood and violence. They can be fun, and, and you can have a laugh, you know, and not be scared. You know, that's why I love those type of movies. Like, you know, Halloween 5 with the bumbling cops, that's the clown music. You know, come on. Like, are we watching a horror movie or a comedy? (laughs) I just, I really just, I I love that aspect that you could expose somebody to a horror movie and they were like, yeah, that was kind of fun. That wasn't too scary. Um, But speaking about movies and new ones, uh, one thing that I think you know about me, Monkey, is that I love my lifetime trash. My lifetime trash movies that come on in the summertime where it's like, oh, a single woman raising a kid. She has an affair, and then she kills that guy and buries him in the backyard. He's like, I love trashy Lifetime movies. Um, you know, I know Rebecca McKendry did one called Psycho Granny that I fell in love with. So I was like, this is great because it's just so silly and over the top, but I love it. So this summer, they're going to be releasing a whole bunch of them. So they're coming hard with the original thrillers. And there's one I'm really excited about, about the suitcase killer. Melanie McGuire, do you know about this one? A real life uh, killer named Melanie McGuire. No. Okay, so 
No. Take yourself back to April of 2004. Melanie McGuire in New Jersey was living with her husband, wasn't quite too happy with that relationship. I mean, she had kids. She was a housewife. She was a nurse at a clinic, just trying to live the American dream. And then one day she fell in love with a guy that was a doctor at the clinic. And, well, I mean, I could cheat on my husband. I could have sex. I could have fun. But it wasn't enough because she wanted to start a new life with this doctor at the clinic. So what does she do? She drugs her husband and then murders him by shooting him several times, dismembering him, and putting him into three different suitcases before throwing it into the Chesapeake Bay. And then she runs off. So she's gone into the wind. So no one knows what happened to her. You know, they found the husband's parts, and they eventually find her, put her on trial, and they sentence her to life in prison. She's eligible for, uh, for parole when she turns 100, which is not going to happen. She's going to die in prison. So they are making a movie on Lifetime about that. Uh, and to this day, Melanie McGuire just says she's innocent. She had nothing to do with what happened. Amazing. So we're going to get to see that movie this but, summer on Lifetime. I can't wait. But still, if you're going to sit there and do that, and throw, put some rocks in the fucking suitcase so they don't come up. Come on. <laughs> she didn't think of that. So, and also, I was say, I do have a caller. So, hey, listen, Mikey, just me and you, a second caller. Um, this is a... Oh, sweet. 323 area code, 323-763. What's up? Yeah, uh, my name's Joe. You guys are talking Hi, about horror movies. Hey. Joe! Hey, what's Joe! up, Joe? Oh, man, we miss you. Where have you been? Well, You're thinking about well it's nice to get that kind of welcome. Uh, I, I should come back every day. Well, yeah, every week. You got a spot. Yeah. Hey, you know what I was thinking? I, were you guys talking about the different genres of horror films like one show ago? We you always were. talk about okay. the different genres, man. It's what we do, baby. Oh, you do? <laughs> All right, because I want us yeah, to know. Yeah? Because I, I, yeah. I, I wasn't sure if it was your show or not. And uh, the conversation was interesting, well, but no, I no, wasn't no, no, able no, to Joe, get Joe, 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 the... the the only, Joe, the only answer is we are the only horror podcast that you listen to. That is the correct answer that you should be giving on this show. Uh, I see. And somebody would treat your delusion in, in just a minute. But that's okay. Uh, awesome. Uh, here's a, but um, have you guys ever, ever broken it down into different categories? You probably have. But I haven't been around to actually um, uh, hear the conversation. Let's say the horror films from the 19... 19- 20s where there was no sound to the 1940s for example and from the 40s to the 60s and 60s to the 80s and so forth because you guys had me thinking when i drove by and heard you guys talking about it and i think it's probably near the end of the show or so um i wanted to call back and find out um what you guys thought about it Uh, but since you guys talk about it all the time i guess it would just be uh (laughs) it would just be a ritualistic conversation no, it's, it's you are cool. It's cool, man, because that's the thing about our show, and is one of those things that we like to sit there and reiterate and put it out there is we don't stick to one genre on this show because every week we change the movie according to who ch- chooses the movie. But also, especially uh, the king and I, no pun intended, uh, it, 
always oh, love all, <laughs> uh, 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 all, all all genres, but also all the decades of horror. Because my wife and I, you know, she, she's a big, huge horror fan of um, silent horror, and especially the Universal Monsters. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we yeah. have this in in our hallway. We have a, a a giant poster, or actually like two posters from Metropolis. You know, because we love that movie. Uh, one time not too long ago, we covered um, the 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 Silent Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, you know, we we and then yeah, we've gone back Cheney. and covered yeah. Uh, yeah, and we've gone back and covered black and white movies like Manos, The Hands of Fate, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know, yeah. It's like you know, I, I me personally, I really, really, you know, love the old black and white stuff, it's, especially the Universal Monsters stuff. But yeah, it's but and that's the thing about horror is you know different decades, di- different generations, different yeah. genres always coming up mm-hmm. and that's what makes horror so great is that it's a constant evolution of the craft and it's always bringing in new people and one of the points of our show is for us to bring that stuff up so that the new people coming in and the you know our our screamlings learn about the films of the past as well as not just embracing what's coming on Netflix right now. All right, that was a long-winded thing. King! <laughs> well, you know, I want to know, Joe, when are you going to pick a movie for us to talk about? Because you always talk about the silent era and the movies that you like. Pick one movie, and we'll cover it. We'd love to uh, hear your thoughts on uh, Let me see. One really good horror film. Um, I can't say that I found that I need to be one above the rest. One that really scared me. Uh, two that really scared me. I don't know if... I probably talked about it on your show with uh, two of the Frankenstein movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you did, Bride and, I did and talk uh, about Frankenstein. Uh, oh, that's right, because he, call, called in during the bride, he called in during the Bride episode. That's right. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I was thinking... Because uh, you, you mentioned the evolution, and it is an evolution. When they had Universal Studios, and they started off with Boris Karloff and um, playing um, Frankenstein, which I think was the best Frankenstein ever. Better than Lon Chaney, better than Strange. Adam, I forget his first name. Yeah. His last name was Strange. Better than anybody. And I think that was Boris's best role ever because he kept his mouth shut. And he actually <laughs> emoted well in all of that makeup. I could feel yeah. his particular... Um, aspiration to 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 um, to to, it, to to join emotionally with the child, and then when I saw the movie again yes. when I was older, when when he picked up the child, threw the child into the stream, he wasn't trying to kill the child; he was trying to play with the child. <laughs> and it's, you know, absolutely, that was just yeah. So you guys discussed all that. So I'd like to say thank you for ruining my night for discussing everything <laughs> under the sun that I would like to introduce, <laughs> but you guys have been talking about it for years, so uh, what can I contribute? Uh, nothing. <laughs> oh, please, oh, well, Joe. We t- t- love t- when t- you call in. <laughs> yes, but at the same time, it's like we have been around for a while. We, ha- we do have over 350 episodes, you know, in, in the, our vaults 
Um, no kidding. You know, and I'm not saying right, go back cool. and listen. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying go back and listen to them all, but they are available, you know, on <laughs> iTunes and Spotify and Blog Talk. But it's a, if you've got a movie that, you, like the King had said, where it's like, you know, you really, really think this movie should be covered, you know, think about it, you know, and, you know, call us back or message us on the uh, Talking Care Facebook page and be like, hey, how about you guys cover this film? Because we're always taking suggestions about films that could be covered on this show. All right. As a matter of fact, we love them because I don't usually I don't usually um, watch a lot of. In fact, oh, the fact is, I've kind of um, separated myself and divested myself from the world as almost. I I don't (laughs) like sports anymore because Jordan retired and poor Kobe died, and Tom Brady was real um, was a real cool um, resurgence of of football, especially the age that he was and finding out that he just about works out. 23 hours a day and how he goes from a championship team that kicked him off because he's no longer useful to becoming again, uh, you know, MVP in the winter. So outside of those real uh, terrific events, I, you know, I see everything as just normal and nothing really, nothing really impresses me much anymore. But if I do come across a film that I think is really cool, I am going to, watch it, suggest it, and give you my particular observations about it. And then um, I can join in on the discussion. Maybe King won't oh, exactly yeah. steal my thunder. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try not to. <laughs> You're just like me, Joe. You're jaded by it all. <laughs> it just doesn't work yeah, Right. You need to find the new one. <laughs> oh, well, look, guys, <laughs> I'm glad you guys have the show. I won't keep you. Um, I'll, I'll sure. try to find a, a good movie to talk about. And um, I'll let you guys get back to what you do best, and that's entertaining people with uh, your knowledge about horror films. So take care and be safe. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, you too, All right, Joe. Thank man. you so take much care, for calling We'll be talking take to you care. soon, sir. Man, lucky Joe. He called back. Woohoo! Joe <laughs> called in. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's his, that's his third call. So, I mean, we have a fan. We have a caller. And hopefully, like me, he's jaded. But you know what? He's going to find that one. He's going to be like, I got it, so let's talk about it. So we're looking forward to Joe coming back and talking about his film pick for us. We love fan picks, by the way. So, yes, like the monkey was saying, on Facebook, on even on Instagram, if you're listening and you're like, I wish they would cover this movie, let us know. We'll cover it. I mean, we'll cover it the way that we do. It might not be the way that you do. <laughs> you can always listen to it and be like, you know what? Yeah, my movie's being talked about, and that's awesome. So thank you so much, Joe for calling in. And I think that's going to wrap it up for horror news. I, I can't go out any way better than that with Joe. So let's talk about Hell yeah. the film pick of the week, the impromptu film pick of the week, Army of Darkness. So this is the yes. final cinematic entry into the Evil Dead series that started back in 81 with the Evil Dead. And we are now in 1992 with Sam Raimi back directing, with Bruce back as Ash. So Ash is transported with his car at the end of Evil Dead 2 to 1300 AD. He's captured by Lord Arthur and turned slave with Duke Henry the Red and a couple of his men. When Ash is thrown into a pit, he defeats two deadites and wins the respect of Arthur's army and his people. The wise man points Ash as the chosen one that will retrieve the Necronomicon, but Ash is only interested in returning back home so he can return to his ship at Espar. When he learns that the only way to return to his time is using the Necronomicon, Ash decides to travel to the unholy land of the Deadites. 
the wise man advises that he must say the words, Klatu, Barata, Nikto, to safely get the evil book back. However, Ash forgets the last word, and the army of the darkness resurrects to attack Archer's fortress and recover the Necronomicon, being led by Bad Ash. The battle between the living and the dead is about to begin with the support of Henry and his men. And the only way to help Ash and Arthur to defeat the army of darkness is through an epic battle featuring that classic Delta 88. So that's just a little bit of a rundown of the synopsis. I, I'm not the biggest fan of army of darkness because I'm not really a fan of, of uh, medieval type movies, but to see Ash finally becoming the king that he is, getting into that role of I'm going to shoot and stab and saw as many dead ends as I can to get back is worthy. I, I really do enjoy this movie. It makes me laugh. It's fun. It's Ray Harryhausen effects. It's everything that you would want in a final entry into the Evil Dead universe. So, Monkey, what did you think about Army of Darkness? My brother, it's Army of Darkness, man. We know it. We love it. <laughs> we all grew up quoting it. Hell, man, the generations after us are growing up loving it and quoting it. You know, Army of Darkness is just, you know, one of those, like, cult classic gems that's just a beautiful blend of horror, comedy, and just in your <laughs> plain, in-your-face fun, man. Like, I just fucking love this movie, man. So let's yeah. get into it. Hail to the king, baby! <laughs> Hail to the king, baby. So, as I said, Ash it lands in 1300 AD with his Delta 88. He is captured by Lord Arthur, and he becomes a slave. So we get this flashback to Ash working at his job at the S-Mart, and he's talking about his girlfriend, <laughs> Linda, who's played by Bridget Fonda in this one, looking Fonda yeah. Fonda, Look, you know, in this movie. Oh, so we get yeah. that recap <laughs> uh, where he's listening to the tapes, and she's attacked by the Deadites, and it's Bruce Campbell versus Army of Darkness. I love that opening sequence where it's like you're giving him the leading man role that he deserves, Bruce Campbell versus Army of Darkness. I wish that was the actual movie title instead of this Army of Darkness because I would love it just the same because it really is, you know, that, that, uh, that aspect of it, that he's the leading guy. You know, this is a major theatrical release, kind of bombed, but, you know, we're, we're beyond that. Um, so we see Ash being led away as a slave, and Lord Arthur thinks that he's a part of the Henry the Reds camp. Like, so we have to capture him. We'll bring him back, and then we'll just figure it out once we get there. Um, the wise man tells Lord Arthur that Ash is the chosen one. This is the guy that's going to retrieve the Necronomicon, but Lord Arthur is just, you know, fine. We're, we're just going to take him. I don't believe you. But what does the wise man do? He grabs the chainsaw. He's like, this is going to come in uh, importance yep. later in the movie, so I'm going to grab it and take it. <laughs> and when they re- so they return to the castle, and we meet Sheila, played by Embeth Davids, who her brother had died in battle up against Henry the Red. Um, and she just assumes that Ash did it and just spits at him and calls him a murderer. He says, what the fuck? I didn't do anything. <laughs> Why are you singling me out? <laughs> I didn't do a I goddamn did thing. What the fuck? Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did nothing wrong. And you're spitting at me and you're, you're slapping me. Um, so Henry And pulling my fucking hair out. Ash. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Beating this poor guy up that just got transported through a vortex into 1300 AD. has no idea what the fuck is going on. He's in a stock and just you know, being led away. So Henry is telling him, uh, you don't really seem like you're one of my men. And he introduces himself as Henry the Red, and he's a warrior, and he has all these people. To which Ash replies, well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. 
I got news for you, pal. We ain't waiting for two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. So right, oh, here so we, we go. The, the fucking one-liner straight off the bat. And, like, this, like this, like, just establishes Bruce Campbell. Like, from now, yeah. from here until forever is, you know, this movie and the lines that they're giving Bruce Campbell is just pretty much, if you cast Bruce Campbell in something, you this is demanded of Bruce Campbell to have to be like this because, because yeah, you know, start, starting now is like these one-liners is just, and they're so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have Arthur leading uh, Henry the Red's men, including Ash, you know, into the village of the castle. And of course the pit is opened up and one of Henry the Red's men is tossed in and we get a quiet moment. And then shortly afterwards, the geyser of blood erupts, and everybody's like, oh, my God. Like, you know, like it was a cool effect. It was a cool <laughs> shot. So you know that there's something down there that, yeah. that's killing these men. One yeah. of Henry's men tries to Dude, escape, and Arthur okay, hits him with okay. a crossbow. Like, yeah. True. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Uh, but the first time go you go and watch this movie, okay, it's like, you know, and this geyser of blood happens, you know, for the very first time. Dude, did it to, like to, – because I know it did to me. The first time you see that fucking guy, did it seem like it lasted for fucking ever when you were watching this for the very, very first time? Yes. Because yes. now that we, because now that I know you and I have seen this like over twenty times at least, you know, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh wow, that's a, like only fifteen seconds of screen time. But the first time you see this guy's your blood coming up, it seems like it lasts for fucking ever, <laughs> just because it's just so much fucking blood. <laughs> It's it's so much, and I was like, you know what? Because we don't get a lot of blood in this movie, so I kind of appreciated the fact that they had a geyser of blood. Just you know, Sam Raimi behind the camera going, ah, let's give them what they want, because there's not going to be a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I was happy with it. Um, so the uh, the one guy is dead in the pit, and the crowd starts to turn on Ash, and then he tries to desperately tell them, I've never seen any of these assholes before. I don't even know who they are. Like I'm innocent. I did all this stuff. <laughs> And Sheila steps up and throws a rock at his head. But this wasn't a rock. This was actually a potato because Sam Raimi wanted these fake rocks to be thrown at Ash during production. But then he decided because he needs to torture Bruce as much as possible, as we've seen in these movies, <laughs> he decided to paint some potatoes and have them thrown at, at Bruce for this scene when he gets tossed into the pit. So he's like, that's not good enough. We've got to hit him harder. So let's throw a potato at him. And he falls into the pit. You know, where he is in this watery pit, which, you know, he is trying to find his way out, of course, and he's attacked by a deadite that has, like, complete kung fu action. He's flipping around and hitting him in the face, you know. And, oh, God, you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just yeah. comes up out of yeah. the water, funky-ass thing, and it's just this set was just <laughs> so damn nasty just because it was too, you know, the set was flooded. It was full of two feet of water, and the, they never bothered to flush this at it all. So Bruce came was saying, like, by the end of shooting, like, it just smelled like a nasty-ass toilet. It was just damn stank as hell. <laughs> and, then you, and then you got these people throwing all this water on top of you. But they did a great job with this set. You know, the set is awesome. And, yeah, like you said, you know, Kung Fu Action Deadite. Because apparently, you know, some, some – 
Sometimes they're stiff, you know, and skeletal, like as we'll (laughs) see later. Sometimes they're like halfway, you know, decrepit or whatever. This one seems kind of fresh because it's really limber. (laughs) Yeah. Just coming out of that water with the hand coming out of the water, then attacking Ash. And then when he is just fighting off this deadite, uh, the wise man comes over the pit, chosen one, and he throws down the chainsaw to Ash. Of course, that mighty moment when he jumps up and connects his wrist to that chainsaw. Now he has a weapon. Thunder now cat. he can take out this Jedi. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like Excalibur in the hand, you know, when he gets that chainsaw connected to his wrist and he's able to take out the, the Deadite and cut off his head. So, of course, at this point, Arthur is like, well, just deploy the spikes. So now you have spikes moving towards Ash as he's trying to figure his way out of this pit. trying to take off his belt and get it up the chain. And then we have the bloated deadite that comes out of fucking nowhere and tries to attack poor Ash. He's trying to get out of this pit. He gets the hand off, and it flies up into a woman's face, which is a great effect. His hand is clamping down in this old woman's face. And he gets the belt on. He manages to get up to the surface, you know, and get out of the pit. And this is the best fucking monologue in the movie. (laughs) But... By Ash, because he's out of the pit. He's dirty. He's bloody. He's wet. Who's next, huh? Who wants a little? Who wants a little, huh? Do you? Huh? You want a little? And he challenges one of the knights to, like, fight him. And the knight's completely freaked out. He's just shaking his head no. And then when Ash walks away, he just shoves the guy next to him. Fuck you, man. Oh, you were helping? No, but but but, but the night the night that he was challenging was the one that was whipping him the entire time while he was in the stocks when they were walking away. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is that was that <laughs> night. So all of a sudden, you know, he was all badass okay. when he, they were in the stocks and whipping him. And then, you know, he gets in his face, and that's when he grabs the guy's whip and throws it back in his face. <laughs> oh, see, yeah, yeah, that's a good catch. Yeah, I didn't catch that, you know, when I watched it this time. Um, but now that he has his, his shotgun, he's got his chainsaw, you have Lord Arthur coming out, sword boy, sword boy, and you have the guy coming out with a sword to give it to Arthur to fight Ash. And Ash immediately shoots it in half with his, his boomstick. And, and everybody's just panicking. because like, what the fuck is this? And, of course, yeah, I did write it down for my notes. So Ash is before the go. crowd holding his boomstick. All right, you're putting the screw heads. Listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. It's a 12-gauge double-barrel Remington. As smart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. That's right. This sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about $109.95. It's got a walnut stock, cobalt steel, and a hair trigger. That's right. Shop as smart. Shop as smart. You got that? Now, I swear... The next one of you primates even touches me. And that's when the board of Jedi comes out of the pit and he shoots it dead. So, uh, <laughs> the greatest fucking monologue, you know, to frighten yes, these yes, people it's... with this shotgun they have. <laughs> it, it's just. Like it's just funny as shit, you know. Just go. This is my boomstick. The whole thing goes into thinking about you know, S Mart, top of the line, shop smart, shop S Mart. It's just so fucking good. <laughs> so yeah, and with all I, of this, you know, once he <laughs> yeah, once he impresses everybody with his boomstick, the chainsaw, 
Now, all of a sudden, they're treating him like he's a fucking king. So next time you see Bruce, you know, he's laying on a chair. He's being fed grapes. He's got turkey legs. He's got women. He's got he's wine. Up. Yeah, Ash is the fucking king, baby, <laughs> because he's got the attention of everybody, thinking that he really is the chosen one. Sheila comes back and apologizes to Ash, saying that she mistook him for one of Ash's men. I hope you can forgive me. First you want to kill me. Now, first you want to kill me. Now you want to kiss me. Well, then he spits out grapes, you know, over the floor. And I'm like, Ash is just enjoying his time here, you know, being worshipped like he is the king. So the wise and he, man and he's reappears. living it up, man. Yeah. No, no, no oh, guilt at all. You know, he's fucking living it up. He's <laughs> because you've just been treated like a slave. And then you come back, and then you shoot the dead eyes. You have the chainsaw. So, of course, you didn't embellish it. So this is just Ash yeah, yeah. enjoying his time laying around. And, like, this is it? Okay. You know, let's just lay around and have some fun. You know, eat some grapes. He's, turkey. he's burping openly. I love the fact that he just belches as openly as he's eating the, uh, the turkey leg and the wine. Um, so the wise man reappears and tells Ash that he's the chosen one, and he has to retrieve the Necronomicon. Ash tells him that he's not interested, and... I just don't want to find any book that you have. Like, I just want to go home. And that's when one of the elder women in the castle turns into a Jedi, claiming that she'll swallow their souls. So the yeah, men all descend on the Jedi and try to attack her. <laughs> so the men all jump in. They're attacking the Jedi, which, uh, no effect. They're all being knocked away until Ash has yep. to take the she-bitch down. <laughs> Yo, she-bitch. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> So once and the they have a fight scene. Down, oh, it's yeah, so good. they have a fight scene. But not 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 only the, like is she just taking down. He's like straight up, you know, spin it, do it, spinning around, doing hits and kicks. You know, he's like straight up action hero shit going on here. You know, she <laughs> he he takes it down, <laughs> or so they think. <laughs> so and what's interesting is that the the old woman that they call the She-Bitch, the witch, is played by Patricia Tallman, who played Barbara in 1990's Night of the uh, Living Dead remake. So it's kind of fun to see her uh, in the makeup role. I know Bill Mosley shows up as a Dead-Eye captain later in the movie, and they were both in the remake of Night of the Living Dead, so it's like, oh, kind of nice kind of to see that, um, you know, those two actors showing up to be in this movie. Um, but the wise men tells Ash that if the book falls into the Dead-Eye's hands, evils are going to take over the world. So, with that being said, Ash realizes he needs a fucking hand, and so we're going to cut to a Sam Raimi montage of Ash grabbing his metal hand. (laughs) Plenty of close-up shots, plenty of fadeaways to him building his hand. Oh, I loved it. (laughs) Yes, because, yeah, and you have the whole thing of, again, you know, flash, you know, of something, flash of another thing, flash of things being built, and then when it's finally put on, you know, he sits there and crushes a, a goblet. Groovy. That's right, oh, baby. <laughs> That's where yeah, the groovy comes from. Because he's building this thing, and he's screwing it in, and he's putting it together. So you see the blacksmith and Sheila watching him do it. And then, like you said, Monkey, he crushes a goblet and just uh, goblet and looks at it. Groovy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, we're in this. But he's still working on it later on when Sheila comes back. Like, he's still screwing it in. He's still playing with it you know, trying to make sure that it works. Uh, Sheila, when she returns, um, 
he tells her that the only reason he's getting his book is so that he can go home. Like, he doesn't care about the village. He doesn't care really about her because she tried to kill him at the beginning of the movie. So, whatever. Like, I don't really care about you. He's kind of being mean to her because she's saying that she sends all her hopes and prayers. He's like, yeah, whatever. I made you this shirt. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll use it for my horse. She's like, you're so mean, Ash. Why do you got to be so mean? No, but then she slaps him. Then she slaps him, yeah. going, you know, you're fucking mm-hmm. cruel, and goes to run out of the room. Yeah, because he is. Because he is kind of being a dick. Like, he's just, it's like, all right, Ash, we get oh, it. Yeah. You know, you're the man, but you're kind of being mean. Like, she's trying to be nice. She's apologizing. She made you a shirt, and you're going to use it for your horse blanket. So, like you said, Mikey, she slaps him, and then she decides to leave the room. But, of course, Ash is just after her, um, grabs her, give me some sugar, baby. And then kisses her you know, <laughs> to show the romantic side. And this is one thing that, that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell still talk about to this day because Sam Raimi improvised that line. Like, there was no real line for Ash to say when he kisses her. He just grabs her and kisses her. So Sam's like, Bruce, Bruce, come on over here. Yeah, what's up, Sam? So for this, <laughs> what would be really good, <laughs> get me out, sorry, is if you just said, give me some sugar, baby. He's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, you want me to say, give me some sugar, baby? Like, it's going to be great. Just say it. And, of course, what happens, <laughs> that becomes one of the best lines that people quote from the movie to this day. Give me some sugar. <laughs> Sam was right. Like, Sam thought it was hilarious. He just wanted Bruce to say it. And now it becomes one of those movie quotes that everybody says. Yeah. And then, and then, <laughs> and then afterwards, there's actually – a whole love sequence that was filmed and mm-hmm. it was cut for time. And the only way you can get that is, you know, there was like this love scene. It, it was still clean, mind you. There was no boobs or nudity or anything like that. It was still no, a cl- no. yeah. clean love scene, but it was a passionate love scene, yeah. you know, of them two in front of the fireplace and it was cut. And the only way you can get that is either like on the Ashcan edition you know, director's cut, or the, uh, um, mm-hmm. or I think they put it back in the international cut as well. I know it's available on the uh, Screwhead edition that came out a couple of years ago on uh, Blu-ray. That love sequence, it's a, an a additional scene, but it's there, so you can watch it because that's the one I own is the uh, Screwhead edition. Um, but yeah, let me see. I have the Ashcan, <laughs> so that that's where okay, mine was. So- <laughs> but so, yeah, that, but the uh, yeah. but the problem is on the Ashcan edition the uh, the extra scenes are actually not finished quality so you actually see no. the yeah. the movie the way it is and then it drops to Ashcan director's cut and you have these added scenes where they're way lower in quality but it's like but and, <laughs> yeah. again if you're an Army of Darkness fan you want these other cuts of the movies just so you can see the parts that were omitted from the original release. Yeah, and that does happen because I know that um, the cut of 1981's My Bloody Valentine that I have, uh, they included the scenes that they cut out, which is violence. So there was a lot of kill scenes that were cut out of the movie. They reinserted them, but if you play it with those scenes reinserted, you could tell the quality dips out. You could tell it's like a work oh, yeah. Like yeah, They didn't really polish it. It's not clean. Um, so you could tell that it's, it's work print when they do it. They did release a Blu-ray recently that kind of cleans it up a little bit, but at the same time, you could still tell that it's just it's a work print. Like they they never intended for it to be in the movie; it got cut out. So yeah, just like you said about Army of Darkness, you could tell when the quality dips 
because it's not a part of the movie. Like it's just it's reinserted. Um, but we have Ash riding out with the wise man and Lord Arthur into the haunted woods, and the wise man tells him once again, "There's three words you have to say when you get to the cemetery to get the book off, you know, the pedestal. <laughs> you have to say Klatu Barata Nikto. Let me hear you say it. Yep, sure, whatever. Klatu Barata Nikto. Repeat it." Klaatu, Verata, Nikto, I got it. One more time. Now, you know what? I got it. I'm not going to have a hard time. I get it. I will be right back. So uh, wait for me here, <laughs> and I'm going to go off into the haunted woods and get that book. So, of course, he rides off alone on his journey, and once he's like three seconds into the woods, not even that far, the force that we have seen in the Evil Dead, Evil Dead oh, 2, yep. comes for Ash, rising out of the woods to attack him. Yep. So he's trying to race it off on the horse, not really working too well. <laughs> Not even the horse is having this shit, man. The, you know, the horse is like, fuck this shit. The horse takes off, throws his ass into a fucking mud puddle, you know, or, you know, and then he's having to run into a windmill to sit there and tr- try and bar the doors, bar the windows, everything he can to keep <laughs> the horse from entering. Because, again, just like in Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2, you know, it, this is you know, the force of the Necronomicon and the Deadites. And it's coming in, and it fucking wants his fucking ass. And it's trying to beat everything down, and it's just awesome because he's in there barring everything and yelling against the doors going, ah, 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 and keeps screaming for like five minutes, and then the force finally stops. But he's still fucking screaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then until gone, he's, he's like, oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, wait. All right, we're cool. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, we're, we're fine. So I'm going to, you know, but I love those Sam Raimi cuts, you know, the in and out cuts that he does, those Rimmel cam shots as it's trying to yeah. get through the door. And he's screaming for dear life. And then once it leaves and he screams one last time, he's like, okay, it's gone. I'm going to build a fire above the stove and warm myself up. He looks into the mirror next to him, and he sees that his reflection is kind of staring at him. So once again, the Deadite's fucking with him. So what does he do? He breaks the mirror because I don't want to look at myself anymore. But there's a problem with that because it causes little evil mini-ashes to come out of the mirror and torture the fuck out of Ash. (laughs) We have mini-ashes coming out of the mirror. They grab a fork. Ramming speed! And they ram the fork right into his butt. And, of course, that leads him to scream and hit his head. And now he sees that there's a bunch of little mini-ashes that want to torture the fuck out of him. So, you know, he's trying to fight them off and get the one with the fork. She spears through the, you know, the little door. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And spears the, that one little ash. But that leads to the other ones tripping him so he lands on top of the fireplace. And has to pry his face off of it with a spatula, the metal spatula. And and this is also where we see Sam Raimi going to his comfort zone. Sam Raimi going where yeah. he's happiest of all, you know. Yep. And Bruce Campbell's mm-hmm. right there to do it for him. Is Sam Raimi is going full on Three Stooges? Oh, <laughs> completely. It's it's like when he puts the metal spatula underneath his face to pry it off. I think that's Three Stooges. <laughs> He's in his comfort zone. He's having fun. Um, he's trying to chase them off, so he's, of course, going to go, London Bridge is falling down, falling down. And you didn't expect that nail to be there, did you? And My fair lady. Silent <laughs> <laughs> but that silent scream that he lets out was funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a real scream. The fact that he just does that and lands on his ass 
And then when he wakes up, he's like, oh, it was all just a horrible dream. But, nope, he's tied down to the floor of the windmill like Gulliver's Travels. And we have yes, these exactly. many evil ashes prying his mouth open so that one of them could dive into his mouth and go into his stomach. <laughs> it's like, okay, so it's further torture. And it's kicking his ass from the inside. So he's punching his stomach, trying to get it to stop. Hey, you want some hot chocolate, Dale? You want some hot chocolate? Hey, try this off the top. <laughs> and pours the scalding hot water down his throat. And he, ow! <laughs> As it does in his stomach. <laughs> you know, I just, it, it, like you because, then, because then he, because then he starts to get a little itchy. He's, you know, it's not poison ivy. No, because all of a sudden he pulls open his shirt. And then what the fuck does he see on his fucking shoulder? An eyeball sticking out of his goddamn shoulder blade. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and the eyeball is just blinking and he's scratching at it. Then he runs out of the windmill. And then you get to see that there is two heads on his body. So it's, you have the two eyes. I say, how let the move. <laughs> and then they get down on all fours and do, like, the crab walk. He's like, where are you taking me? Where are you taking me? <laughs> you know, as these two ashes, you know, just run off into the woods. And then they finally stand up and split themselves. So now you have good ash and you have bad ash. So you have one evil one. And you have bad ash yep. kind of laughing at him. Little goody two shoes. Little goody two shoes. And just punching him in the face over and over again. Until he gets the boomstick and blows off Bad Ash's face. So once he does that, good, bad, I'm the guy with the gun. So of course, another there we go. great one-liner. One one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Ash drags Bad Ash back to the windmill and dismembers him with the chainsaw before doing what Ash always does. And I got a hand to Ash. He is fucking great about burying people. <laughs> Like, once you're evil and he has to kill you, he's going to give you a proper burial. <laughs> and But, of course, Badass isn't going down without a fight. We're going to stop you. We're going to get the box. And he's yeah, having enough of you and throws dirt right on top of his face. He's like, we're done. <laughs> so. Right. But, but that, okay, okay. But, but that, after he's done, we do this, uh, what we do in every fucking Evil Dead thing. He slams a cross into the ground. Yeah. Okay. And, and, of course, lightning. Okay. He does it. Evil Dead <laughs> yeah. 1, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness. Yep. And then I loved that they sit there and Ash vs. Evil Dead. When we went to, yes, when we go to Ash vs. Evil Dead, he does it to her parents. And she's like, hey, you know we're Jewish, right? He's like, oh. <laughs> uh, poor hapless Ash always assumes everybody's Catholic. <laughs> Except for, he's like, oh, they were? All right, well. <laughs> I did my work. <laughs> so Ash, uh, after he buries Bad Ash, he's reunited with his horse, and he rides off in search of the cemetery, which contains an Astronomicon. Once he's there, he finds out that there's not one book, but there's actually three. So he's like, well, Hold one on. Do I have to get? No one said I... anything about three books. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, which one is going to be the one that I have to get? So he opens up the first book, and it contains a vortex which sucks him into the book to which eventually he fights his way out of. And it leads to him having the long face. He's got a huge long face and he shakes his head once. Still not right. 
Shakes his head twice. Still not right. The third time, okay, got it. My face is back. I'm good. Whoa. You know, I can <laughs> go back to go, find going out which ve- one it is. So he's like, Again, going very, very Warner Brothers with this stuff. You know, you can tell Sam Raimi is having a great time. He's definitely not trying to go hardcore horror with this. He's having fun, and he's tapping into all of his best childhood memories to try and bring those images to the screen. Yes, and it's so much fun. Like I said, when I watched it this time, again, I had so much fun. I was laughing. I was enjoying the slapstick of it, Uh, you know, seeing the long face and the long arms. Then when he gets to the second book, he reaches for it and it bites down onto his hand, and then it flies up and bites his face, and it's flying around and flapping the book pages at him. God damn it, that's not the right one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's and, then and then after I put points at it, you know, after it's done and it's back on the ground, he points at it going, "I'm going to get to you later." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he finally grabs the last book, the last book, you know, on the mantle, and that's going to be the one that he's going to take because it didn't do anything. He has it, but he has to say the three words: Klaatu, Barata, Nikto. But unfortunately, he can't remember the final one, even though he practiced it. He forgot. <laughs> Necktie, nectar, nickel. It's definitely an N word. <laughs> definitely an N word. <laughs> so he decides, I'm just going to trick the book, and I'm just going to clatu, rata, <laughs> anything? <laughs> All right. Okay. I guess this is it. And when he picks up the book, all of a sudden, everything starts to go to shit. Everything starts to crumble and go wrong at the cemetery, back at the castle. The sky's gone gray, and the wise man's like, something's wrong. Something is amiss. Something just doesn't work. No you know, shit. something happened. <laughs> so, yeah, again, meanwhile, back at the saying, meanwhile, back, yeah, back at the cemetery, we have tombstones flying out of the ground. Um, you know, left and right, great effects, by the way. Um, yes, yeah. I was really enjoying this. Uh, and while he's trying to run out of the cemetery, bones are reaching up out of the uh, out of the graves, grabbing them, dragging them to the ground, and then we have again. Three Stooges moments where they're trying to take oh, the book from yeah. him. He's trying to hold the book, but at the same time, they're having the classic Three Stooges poking the eyes, pulling the ears, pulling the tongue. You know, him trying to block the shot, and then they hit the <laughs> from the sides. Just all classic Three Stooges stuff going on here. It's like, again, if you're expecting Evil Dead 1 and 2, you are not going to get it in this movie in any way, shape, <laughs> yeah. or form. <laughs> Yeah, the, I like the skeleton hands coming out of the ground and, and beating him on the face, you know, pulling on his tongue, pulling on his nose. You know, he puts his hand up, they stood style to block it. My favorite was where he looks off camera and goes, oh, 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 and then all of a sudden all the skeleton hands come at once and punch him right in the face. <laughs> it <was laughs> the best moment. Because all of a sudden every single one of them hits him in the face, and all of a sudden he gets up and he's like, I'm going to go back to the castle. I'm out of here. But it's just – Again, Sam Raimi having a fucking great time beating the fuck out of Bruce Campbell. <laughs> the whole time. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, Sam Raimi's got to have fun. 
He's got to be laughing. Yeah. <laughs> because, again, we don't have tons of caro syrup to sit there and douse Bruce Campbell with and drown him in this shit. And his same reason, he's like, oh, well, i got to come up with something to fuck with him. we got to do something <laughs> to him, man. You know, he's, and you know he was sitting, like, you know, off in a trailer somewhere going, we got to find a way to fuck with Bruce. He's like, we got to do something, man. we got to make some props. we got to do something and sit there, hit him. we got to sit there and mess with him. Three Stooges <laughs> yeah. style, but not tell him, not tell him what we're going to do. And, yeah, that's going to be funny. I'm going to sit there and film it, and let's do that. <laughs> I don't think they knew about first. those punches coming out of nowhere. Like, I'd like to think that Bruce had no idea that they were all going to come out at once and punch him in the face. Like, oh, oh. Like, I was like, that's a legitimate reaction to having a bunch of skeletons punch you in the face. Like, <laughs> and he sold it, and it was just so great. So when Ash leaves the cemetery with the book as everything is going on, Bad Ash comes out of his grave. I live again. So now it's time for Bad Ash were, to oh, get that. You weren't back. even dead for a full day, man. What are you doing saying, <laughs> I live again? It's like it's only, it hasn't even been a day. You were just buried. <laughs> <laughs> Hours ago. Like, yeah. did your heart even stop? <laughs> so of course... Ash returns to the castle with the book, and the villagers are like, yes, this is great. You know, he saves us. We're fine. And the wise man gets the book, and he's like, hey, did you say the three words? Like, did you, did you say them? He's like, oh, yeah, well, like, some of them. I mean, like, I, I, mean, I didn't say them correctly, but, I, I mean, I said them. So let's send me home. I just want to get out of here. And they're like, oh, he's a traitor. We don't like him anymore. He's like, yeah, hey, come on. Yeah, Ash, we love you. You fool. You damned us all. <laughs> so yes, we can take you home, but the book is no good to us now. <laughs> yeah. So yes, we could send you home, but you kind of fucked us. And he's like, "Well, I guess I better be hitting the old dusty trail." So uh, anyway, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, and of course, Arthur tells him, "Yes, we could send you home, but you kind of doomed us. So uh, have fun with that." And he's like, "I thought we were going to have a party. No, we're not going to have one of those." And everything is cut short because Sheila tells him, I, I believe in you. Come on, Ash. Like, you know, you, you want to stay, right, and, and help us? And he's like, oh, no, I got to go. And he can't even look at her in the face. And he's like, oh, Ash, <laughs> you, know, you little asshole. You just want to get home, and you won't even look her in the face when she's like, I, I believed in you. And, of course, immediately a winged deadite shows up and takes Sheila away. And he's like, oh, fuck, well, I guess I got to stay now. And this is when we get to see, uh, like, the first bits of the Ray Harryhausen style of stop motion animation because this shot with the the winged Deadite, which is cool when you see it, you know, is a combination of suit, you know, person in a suit uh, along with stop motion from the faraway stuff. And they, you know, and and also, you know, let's not forget to mention K K and B. You know who's fucking yes, famous yep. as fuck now. You know, KMB oh, yeah. did all the special Walking effects Dead for movies, this movie. Yeah, yeah but um, you know, this was them just first getting their start, and Sam Raimi, you know, picked them up, going, "Hey, can you work with us and this? You know, put all this stuff together." And yeah, KMB had a great, great time. You know, making this film, maybe not so much dealing with Sam Raimi, but definitely making all the effects for Sam Raimi. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, uh, with Shua taken away, 
you know, it's it's up to her to be landed at the feet of Badash. You know, I love the look of Badash. You know, the skeletal face, you know, with the skull crown. You know, you can see that he has damage to his face because of the shotgun blast. I just I like how yep. they they presented him as as the the Badash. Um, and when she falls at his feet, you know, she doesn't want any part of it. But of course, Badash wants that kiss. So you know, come on, come over here. You know, give me a kiss. Like, you know, and. That's going to be what turns her into the deadite Shiwa. You know, it's that, that kiss with all the skeletal people coming out of their graves, being dragged out, all the skeletons, you know, to, to make the army of darkness. You know, at the behest of, of that ash. It's just great when they're pulling each other out you know, of their graves, dusting themselves <laughs> off and, you know, getting ready for a fight. Welcome back to the land of the living. Now get to work. Okay, now and uh, <laughs> yeah. now this is another thing that I never noticed. Um, this was like my first time noticing because again, when we watch stuff for the show, you know, we watch it differently than we're watching for entertainment. Okay, and oh, yeah. when mm-hmm. Evil Ash is giving the kiss, okay, we you know we see mm-hmm. the um, the chicks go walking across the front of the screen, you know, with their tops down. You know, I guess we yeah, you know got to yeah. get some boobs in there somewhere. You know, but <laughs> I didn't realize that during the kiss, that's when we have Sheila actually losing her top as well. And we almost have some disturbing stuff going on in the background there with Evil Ash oh, and yeah. Sheila, and we just don't actually yeah. see it. And I, I had never noticed that it was going further than just a kiss. And I was like, oh, fuck. That's some oh, yeah, he's bone shit daddy. going on he's in the background down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sam cuts it just enough where you don't really get to see it. But, yeah, as you watch it, like we do, you notice it. Take her nose to pound town. <laughs> and that's how she becomes a dead <laughs> uh, later on in the movie. Getting a ride, so, on, the, which, getting a ride on the bone coaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh! You know, but uh, Ash, back at the castle, Ash is like, okay, well, Sheila got taken away. I guess I'm going to have to stay and fight. So he tries to rally Lord Arthur and the men. And so he's like, come on, no more running, no more. We're going to do this. We're going to fight. And Lord Arthur's like, we only have 60 guys. Like, we really can't fight a deadite army. We can't fight the army of darkness. And he's like, well, we'll get Henry the Reds guys. We'll do it, and we're going to fight, and this is how we're going to do it. Come on, who's with me? And everybody's like, no, no, I don't. No, <laughs> Ash, you're kind of an asshole. And we it's a big old hell show up. no. Yeah, so we need to Ted Raymond to show up and be like, you got my steel, and all of a sudden they start offering his stuff Lord of the Rings style to, to help him in the fight. And then we get the, hail, well, for, hail, for, hail. Yeah, he, well, first is the Smith, you know, he, he because he was the one that turned yeah. his head away, you know, while Ash was there. You know, he was the one that was like, you know, yeah, I'm there. And then, yeah, Ted Raymond was like, yeah, you know, I'm with you. you know, and then, like you said, we have, you know, pretty much the, you know, Lord of the Rings slow clap. You know, and, yeah, but, know. And, yeah, and as we're getting the hail, though, and the camera pans away, though, it's like, you know, it cam- It must have been a small day on the lot because as the camera pans away, I was like, man, there's only yeah. 15 guys in that yard. Yeah. I was like, there's so not small. a lot of guys. I was like, well, where's all the extras? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I was like, there's like 10 people here. <laughs> I thought there was supposed to be six. Yeah, I was like, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, hell, yeah. Lloyd Kaufman has more extras in his movies. Damn. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't even pay them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're just doing it to be in the Trumbo movie. Uh, so while they're all hailing Ash and they're all going to pick up and fight, 
we see that back where Badash is with his evil army of darkness, he reveals that Sheila is now a deadite. I might be bad, but I feel good. So she's oh, God, enjoying that line was it, so you know, fucking bad. That line was so, <laughs> so bad. Stupid. Hey. It's just yeah, yes. we don't need to hear you. It's like <laughs> we get it. You're dead. <laughs> you couldn't come up with something better. It's like damn. <laughs> So we see that she is now a deadite, and the army is building. Meanwhile, what happens? We find the Delta 88, and we have Ash going through the trunk, looking through his books. So he's got the owner's manual. He's got a chemistry book. He's got a steam engine book. And then we see the Fangoria magazine well, that's well, laying in the back. Okay, okay. Okay, also, there's an issue of DHP, or, which is Dark Horse mm-hmm. Presents. And that was the, the original. Uh, what's that? The first issue was Sin City, the story. Yeah, and also, mm-hmm. and also, there's a copy of Evil Dead. Also, there's a copy of Evil Dead in the trunk. <laughs> yeah, and that was literally <laughs> what Sam Raimi had in the trunk. Like that wasn't placed there. That wasn't place setting. That was literally what he had in the trunk. So when they opened it up, that's just what he had. So that's how they filmed it. So everything that you see was what Sam Raimi was just driving around with. Um, in the back of his trunk. Ah, so good. with that owner's manual Damn, in hand and all the books, they, <laughs> right? so Ash decides that he's going to turn the Delta 88 into a weapon that we'll later see as the battle approaches. Um, another so montage. Done, another Ash montage. Plays, <laughs> I, I love the fact that Ash is training these men how to fight. Like he's like, ha, yeah, ha. <laughs> Why are you training them? Like, they should know how to fight already. You don't need to, like, you know, train them on how to use bow staffs. Like, I'm pretty sure they already know how to fight, but it's just Ash is training them. And they're like, yeah, we're going to listen. He's a good teacher. He's a chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> and then he showed him these simple-ass bow, bow staff moves. And I'm like, okay, uh, sure, <laughs> because yeah. you watched uh, how many Bruce Lee movies? Like, what exactly are you basing your fighting techniques off of? Because, again, we're talking about a dude that was just a college student, you know, that just got stuck yeah. into 1300 A.D. He, you know, it's not like he's had a lot of life experience, smart. you know. <laughs> but but aside from S-Mart, he, he's just a college student hanging out, you know, going to the ca- cabin in the woods. It's not like he's actually done time in the military or anything like that. Nope. No. None. <laughs> Yeah, because we're going to see Ash in the next scene where he's directing people like he's a fucking war captain. <laughs> he has experience in wars and how to defeat armies. Uh, because once that's done, once the Delta 88 is prepped for battle, we see the Army of Darkness approaching with their war band. So you have a, a skeleton playing the bone flute, you have drums, you have bagpipes. Like, that Ash really sets it up. We need a band when we go into battle. Hell yes, man. (laughs) And and Sam Raimi and Candy really, really smart about the way they did this kind of stuff because budget-wise, it's like right up in front, you have your, you know, um, full-on articulated puppets that are going on, and then a little bit further back, you had people that were um, in, excuse me, uh, skin suits with b- bones attached to the suits, and then further, further back, you know, according to Sam Raimi, <laughs> in the Evil Dead Companion, 
It was just people with fucking their skulls, you know, painted on their faces and shit like that in just black suits. They didn't even bother giving him any prosthetics at all. These were the way, way back people. And Sam Raimi was like, you motherfuckers stay way, way the fuck back. Don't you even come crossing this line at all. Just stay way the fuck over there. It was really smart, though. You know, it was a way to budget this film and keep shooting it and be able to sit there and get the amounts that you needed for the Army of the Dead, while at the same right. time still making this really, really fun and putting it in your face again, like you said, you know, not only with the Army of the Dead, but the Band of the Dead. <laughs> and the one that really cracked me up, and I don't know if you noticed it uh, when you watch it this time, after the scout shows up and tells Badash where the book is, like it's, it's most likely over here, so that's where we need to go. And Badash is like, all right, let's go, let's get it. And when they ride off, you can clearly see one of the skeletons is just a fucking dummy. Like, it's not a real person oh, on yeah. horse. It's bouncing up and down. <laughs> it's flailing around. And I'm like, clearly a fake skeleton on this horse is bouncing around. And I was like, oh, <clears throat> Sam didn't catch that. <laughs> Sam didn't see that there's a fake one you know, bouncing up and down on horseback. Yeah, because you catch it when it's riding up. To report to Evil Ash, and then when it rides away from Evil Ash, then it's even worse because it's literally just slopping all over the place because it's literally two horses side by side, and one one is obviously <laughs> the person that is actually the scout, and the other one is supposed to be the skeleton scout. But yeah, it's literally just two horses side by side, and one person trying to control the puppet while trying to control a horse at the same time, and it just didn't work too well in this shot, Sam. Uh, I'm just yeah, saying, you know. No, yeah, yeah. We saw it. <laughs> we caught it, Sam. Hopefully he's better with Doctor Strange too. You know how many bouncing skeletons <laughs> in multiverse of madness. But um, hopefully Marvel's so going to give you a little bit bigger budget. <laughs> yeah. So the the army of the darkness is approaching, uh, and Ash is telling him to hold until it's the perfect moment that they can fire their flaming arrows at all of the skeletons that are approaching. But he also finds out that there's a band of soldiers of the Army of Darkness approaching the south. So it's like, okay, now we have to go over there and, and try to battle those off. Meanwhile, Badash is just kind of watching everything. He's angered that his army is losing desperately to the men that Ash has in his command. So finally he just decides to say, pick your bones up. Come on, men. And Sally. 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 <laughs> yes, but but why is this army of the dead losing to good Ash? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> because Ash talked to how to make fucking gunpowder <laughs> because he has a chemistry book and a high and all high school chemistry books teach you how to make gunpowder. <laughs> yeah. You know he's a hick. <laughs> so while so while all this is happening, the the army of the darkness, the skeletons, have a battering ram. So they can get into the castle. They can take down the fortified gate and then get their way in. So the men inside the castle decide to try to fortify it, but it doesn't work. The battering ram is better used by the Army of Darkness. They break down the gate and start invading and attacking everybody inside. But Ash has a special surprise for them because the modified Delta 88 is finally ready. Say hello to the 21st century. And all of a sudden we see that the Delta 88 is a fucking tank with a huge-ass blade on the front. At every fucking weapon at Ash's disposal to ride around in the Delta 88 to dispose of all of the, the army members on Ben Ash's side. 
<laughs> Holy shit, did he just A-team the Delta 88? <laughs> and they didn't even have B.A. Brackus welding at any time during the sequence. <laughs> but, st- but still, they fucking turned this thing into a badass fucking tank with that huge-ass propeller that's going around and just chopping and mowing these motherfuckers down in the field of battle inside the castle of Arthur. <laughs> And but he's then shit yeah. Yeah. He, he's got the fucking steam whistle going on too. You know, he's got oh, yeah. fucking shotguns going on. People climbing on, he just goes bye bye and blows them away. <laughs> and he's got the fucking steam steampunk goggles going on. He like he is straight up, you know <laughs> Mark Twain <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Connecticut Yankee King out of his court, just having a great time, but then shit goes wrong. Because just as he's blowing shit around, uh, someone's got to go and fuck it up. <laughs> of course, because Ash is a human, and he likes uh, you know, Sheila, and she shows up in her human form. Oh, my God, Sheila? And as soon as she shows up, what happens? He jumps out of the Delta 88 and crashes and explodes. And Deadite Sheila shows up to fucking attack him with a spear, trying to get involved. Trying to attack that dick. <laughs> Lays on the ground trying to fight her off. But at the same time, Henry the Red shows up with his men. Blood! Death! Let's go, man! Like, you know, ready to fight. Ready to take out the dead eye forces. And this is another one of those things that's like, again, uh, I have not been able to find this on a cut. Maybe you have it on your screwhead edition. But there is a thing of them mm-hmm. going out and asking Henry to join. Like the, I know that they yeah. shot the yep. team of Henry to join, and he turned them down. Yeah, and it's not on any of the ones that I have of the three versions that I've got, but I didn't know if it was on the Screwhead edition. But I'm it glad is. that they yeah. – oh, okay. I, well, I, I'm glad that uh, on the versions that I have that they did not include this. Yeah, that, I agree. That scene because it's, it's, it's more impactful just to see Henry the Red and his army just – riding over the hill and just having that feeling of relief of, oh, my God, they're here. You know, he actually showed up. It, it, to me, it, it just hits a lot better of him just showing up to help out. Oh, yeah. No, it, yeah, the scene is on the Screwhead Edition, but, yeah, I agree with you. I didn't need to see that. I just like the fact that he showed up. Because he had said in the mm. beginning of the movie, like, the evil's attacking us, too. Like, we, it's happening to us as well. Like, we're not causing this. Yes. Like, it's happening to us, and, you know, we're not doing anything about it. So when they just show up at the end, and like, yep, reinforcements. That's what we need to, yeah, to fight for was, the rest of this battle. Yeah, I thought this was a much, much better shot despite what Raimi wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So as, as uh, Deadite Sheila fights Ash, she manages to kick her into the pit. So a reprieve for Ash where he gets to collect himself. But now Bad Ash is there. You know, and he's ready to fight. Oh, shit. He's ready to have their final fight. You know, let's get it done. They're fighting on the castle walls, you know, swords and back and forth until Ash finally manages to set Badass on fire. And he's like, well, it's done. Like, I set him on fire. There's really nothing more. Uh, I guess it's done. But Badass isn't done. <laughs> because when he returns, he's full-on skeleton mode eyes and everything. I just, I, it brought me back to like Return of the Living Dead with the one skeleton that popped out of the grave. <laughs> Read the four, Party 45. Yeah. You're on a party! 
Dead end, dead end. I was like, yeah, it looks just like a, I was like, did they borrow it from Return of the Living Dead? Because it looks like that, just with a, a skull helmet on. When he climbs up, and he's yeah. like, I'm going to fight you. Oh, I'm going to get you. <laughs> but Ash is a little bit smart, and he knows just what he has to do. So he falls from the castle. Bad Ash is in chase, but he lands on a cannibal. Doesn't realize he's on a cannibal, but he is. He's like, this is the, you know, the final thing. You know, I need the book. I have the book. But Ash shoots his hand off, which has the book in it. He's like, huh? So long, Bad Ash. And when he fires at the cannibal, you see Bad Ash go flying off into the night and exploding. I just love the fact that he fucking exploded. I like, I, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess that actually and right, fucking and, bursts and, and, to explode? And, 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 yes, and again, no, because he was sitting on the bag of gunpowder that was on the oh, catapult. Yeah, there we go, okay. Yeah, it was on his back, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, when you see it fly away, the uh, gunpowder's on his back. Because all of a sudden, I was like, well, he exploded. I was like, no, you're right. He did have his bag on his, on his back as he exploded. But, but, but again, Sam Raimi having fun and going three stooges. But, you know, as he cuts the rope from the catapult, you know, as as Bruce Campbell, you know, cuts the rope. You know, you have the whole skeleton come apart and go, wah! You know, because, it's, you know. <laughs> and I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah, three stooges again. Sweet. <laughs> mm-hmm. But now that he has the book and everything's under control, the Army of Darkness falls, Bad Ash is dead, so everything can return back to normal, including Sheila, who we've never seen this in an Evil Dead movie before. Where if you destroy the evil, you can become normal again. Like it's never been yes. used because they, once you're evil, you're evil, and you have to be killed. You know, it's that's it. Like there's, it's not like a vampire where if you kill the head vampire, you know, you become normal again. So it was kind of cool to see that in this movie. That once Bad Ash is defeated and the Army of Darkness is defeated, Sheila can come back and be normal again and live her life. I kind of like the fact that Sam Raimi included that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a nice different spin on it, you know, uh, for that. But then we have Henry the Red, you know, yelling, "We won the day! Woohoo! Yay! Hail!" Like, you know, I love that Bruce Campbell has his hands up. He's like, "Yay, we did it!" Like, you know, it's like, you know, have the, the celebration where Henry the Red reunites with Arthur, so they can become a complete unit again, which is important. You know, the fact that they're reunited. You know, they're not enemies anymore. You know, they could become friends and allies and yeah. live out their days. But, of course, Ash needs to go home. Like, he just – he's not yes. meant for this time period. He has to go home. So, of course, the wise man makes a potion for Ash to drink. But once you drink the potion, you have to recite the words. Klatu, Verata, Nikto. Yeah, no problem. I got it. It's going to be fine. So I'm going to drink that and return to my home place. I'm going to give Sheila a little kiss before I go. Um, did you see the bad ending that they wanted yes. to have at the end of the movie? Yes. Which, yes. to me, I liked it, but I can get why the studios didn't want it. Because it's, it's Ash fucking up once again. He takes seven drops instead of six. And then he wakes up in the post-apocalyptic future with a beard and long hair. And he's like, I fucked up. No. You know. I kind of liked it, but yeah, I can get why the studios wanted the happy ending. Like they they wanted to give Ash it, the happy ending. That okay, the original ending. It's like yes, that is more in line with Evil Dead, 
and definitely yes. more yes. in line with the way Sam Raimi likes to fuck with Bruce Campbell. Um, but on the on the flip side, though, man, you can't go wrong with the ending, man, because because it's like the ending a. He rides off, he does the, his stuff, and it goes back to the present, and it goes back to the flashing blue light. And it goes back to him yes. talking to another Ted Raimi now, you know, going, yes, I could have stayed, I could have been king, you know. I could have ruled it all, you know, but I needed to come home. I needed to be here, you know, back back at home. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and then a female, hot-ass female co-worker comes and goes, you know, I really liked your story, you know. Oh, that really happened. Oh, and then, oh, she was customer. Okay, but yeah. you know that. Then, you know that that goes on, and then the lights start to flicker, and a, a deadite shows up, and there we get this fucking cool ass fucking shootout scene between him, <laughs> yep. you know, and, you know, Ash with a Winchester repeater now, because you know, again he apparently likes Winchesters. Oh no! No, now yes, he's on to yes. Winchester's from Remi- from Remington to Winchester's, you know, and it's just a great, great yeah, shooting scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, fun acrobatics going on throughout the entire thing because it's just a dead end, just hopping all over the fucking place, you know, and <clears throat> him taking out the deadite, <clears throat> excuse me, and then after he takes out the deadite, you know, grabs the girl. You know, rips off his shirt. He's still got the shirt underneath. He's, you see, mm-hmm. he still has the metal hands, you know, and then he says the words, King. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, because I want to, you know, talk about that a little bit. But yeah, when he returns okay. back to the modern times, like I said, with the blue light, and he's talking to Ted Raimi about it, he's like, yeah, I could have been King, but I really needed to come back to my own time. And Ted Raimi just has, like, the fist under his chin. He's like, did you say the words right this time? Well, yeah, I mean, mostly. I mean, you know, I did. So then, like you had said, Monkey, you know, he, he's pricing out items and a customer shows up and she's like, hey, you know, that whole thing about you being king, I mean, that was kind of a huge story. He's like, yeah. And that's when you get the deadite showing up. I'll swallow your soul. And he shows up, grabs the, the Winchester. Who are you? I'm Ash. Housewares. And then riding on that cart, he shoots her, and then she bounces <laughs> off of the trampoline, does a bunch of flips, 33 shots from that Winchester repeater until she's dead and falls at the feet of Ash, who rips off his smock, and he has the shirt underneath. And, of course, like you had said, that girl shows up. He kisses her. Sure, I could have stayed in the past. I could have even been king. But in my own way, I am a king. Hail the king, baby. <laughs> As we close out the credits. <laughs> so, Army of Darkness, yeah. I mean, you know, again, like I said, it's not my favorite of the series. I always go back to the original because it's just so guerrilla-style filmmaking. It's actually really scary in certain parts, but Ash really is the king. And when I came up with my moniker for the show and for, you know, Facebook, the king of horror, Andy G., that's who I modeled myself after was Bruce Campbell as the king. Hail the king, baby. <laughs> I always like to say when I did my countdowns back in the day for October when I presented my uh, YouTube videos. <clears throat> um, now it's a little different doing the podcast, but uh, either way, it's a great way to end the trilogy. 
I know that they wanted to do a part four. It never happened. It's the last time that Bruce Campbell was a leading man in the movie. Um, but we got Ash vs. Evil Dead out of it for three seasons. Not going to lie, great series. All seasons were great. But season three does take a King of uh, Army of Darkness ending. Uh, so I know you haven't seen it yet, uh, Monkey, but once you do, you'll appreciate what to do with Army of Darkness because they incorporate it throughout the entire season. Oh, okay. But, um, so it, yeah, it's man, all it's about like, that. That, that, that. Yeah, and, like, su- closing super quick, it's, on top of that, it's like, for anyone that's in there that's a fan of Evil Dead or Army of Darkness or anything like that, is that we cannot suggest enough, okay, that you sit there and acquire yourself a copy of The Evil Dead Companion by Bill Ward. Yes. This is a really, really yep. good book. This, this book is a great um, piece of information to have for Evil Dead fans, and it's also written in a really, really well style that's easy to read. It's a fun, And on top of that, it's a fun read. You know, and yes. I cannot yep. suggest this book enough for Evil Dead Army of Darkness fans. It's you know this book is like your go-to. You know, and then piggyback that with the, the <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Bruce Campbell autobiographies, and yeah, you'll be good. But it's definitely Evil Dead Companion for all of you at home. You know, yes, this is a great book to have. And the Evil Dead does not stop because we do have Evil Dead Rise coming up this year, directed by Lee Cronin. doesn't have Ash, but it's Evil Dead. Deadites, Necronomicon, in a high-rise. I can't fucking wait. As much as I love Ash, I love the Evil Dead. So anytime I get some Evil Dead, I'm happy with that. So stay tuned for that later on in the year, as well as Sam Raimi directing Doctor Strange 2 into the Multiverse of Madness. So Sam Raimi directing a Marvel movie. We have Evil Dead on the way. Like It's a good year to be a horror fan to have these <laughs> coming out and seeing what they come up with. You know, of course, like we had said, Bruce Campbell retired from Ash. He's happy, enjoying retirement. Enjoy it, Bruce. You gave us three good yeah. movies and three seasons of a good show. Hail to the king. That's all I could say. Ash, Bruce Campbell, the chin. Thank you for everything that you have done. So, Monkey, I'm going to say, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself out? We do not know yet what the ghoul is going to pick for next week's episode. So once that is decided, we will post it on Monday, as I always do on Talking Terror Page. We don't know what he's going to pick. I'm praying it's going to be good. Fingers crossed. But yeah, thank you, King. (laughs) I'm your sexy Simeon, the Mad Monkey. Thanks for letting us come in your ear this evening. Good night, everybody. And as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Thanking you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you to Joe, our regular caller now. And we're going to wait for his Dude! once he finds a movie just like me who is not jaded anymore and finds a horror movie worth talking about. Thank you so much, Joe. We hope you enjoyed this episode talking about Army of Darkness. And we're going to be back here next week with the other boys of the show, the Dean and the Ghouls. So stay tuned for that as we talk about the Ghouls Film Pick of the Week. Hail yourselves, hail Satan, keep America strong, hail watch our moves, and of course, hail odorous choir. Always a good one. <laughs> See you back here next week, folks. <laughs>